Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. 2020, the housing crisis is amongst us. The end of housing as we know it. I'm not investing right now. A lot of influencers saying that this is the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, I mean, right now, like we're kind of getting into the summertime 2021 and the pandemic kind of kicked us in the balls way back when in early 2020, things froze up, but the, but the vaccine started to come out, as you all know, and, you know, investor confidence and consumer confidence are coming back. Now, I can't really say what's really happening in the economy, but I can really speak to as like from investors out there, sophisticated investors making moves out there. Um, there's kind of a lot of things that are pointing in the right direction right now. The first thing is these low interest rates. I think we've been saying this for the past several years, but historical all-time low interest rates. Um, we used to be back in the day where you would be borrowing money at, you know, 8, 10, 15%. And here we are. I mean, I think we just locked up some loans at like 3 to 4% at a high leverage point. It's amazing. And the banks are finally opening it up. In the beginning of COVID, on our large commercial loans, like, you know, things were, were kind of froze up. A lot of the... Uh, you know, the exceptions that lenders were giving folks, they took it away in early pandemic, but now they're kind of starting to come back. And secondly, investor confidence is coming back. You're seeing a lot of sellers feel like they're going to get the price that they're looking for. So they're starting to putting it out of the market. You know, I just talked to a broker the other day and he's saying, wow, like, you know, a lot of inventory started to come online because, you know, it, it starts from the sellers, right? I mean, you're going to need somebody to sell a property to create that buyers. So the sellers are finally feeling like, you know, that the economy is on stable ground, that the buyers are willing to actually pay a fair price to know that there, there will be life after the pandemic. Thirdly, uh, institutional investors are finally starting to come back into the marketplace and they're starting to move into different asset classes such as residential multifamily apartments. Um, you're seeing big REITs. I, I just saw the other day a big REIT traded in their office portfolio. And, you know, office is an asset class that really got hit pretty bad in the pandemic for obvious reasons. And also, you know, storefronts and shopping malls are kind of getting killed at the moment too. But they're finding safe haven to different asset classes. And this is what large institutions do. They kind of hop from one asset class to another. As one gets overheated, they kind of move to the other one. So that's, you know, that's that's another thing going on. But overall, foreign investors are kind of seeing the U.S. as a safe haven, right? The United States has a great lending environment, great uh, population growth, unlike places like Japan, right? Where the United States, uh, we also have immigration. So there's a growing demand for, um, you know, different services such as real estate. Yeah, I think during the pandemic, there are a lot of YouTube videos out there kind of predicting is it going to be like a V-shaped correction, a Nike swish, or like just a real gradual thing. I'll be honest, I don't really care. But slowly, you know, every week I see little movements in the right direction. Right? Prices are slowly going up. I think you see you, you saw this in the residential home prices where they kind of shut up um, back in, I was thinking in, in the middle of 2020. Right. And this was partly to do with, you know, let's break down how residential properties are evaluated, which is on the comparable sale approach, like basically on a motion, what the other property next door sold for and what the other properties within the area. Um, it's totally, you know, emotional. 
I don't really like it. This is why I invest in commercial properties where it's based on net operating income, which is basically how much money the property makes. Go figure, divided by a search of multiple to get the market price. But residential world, um, I think where a lot of people get started at is investing in where I started investing as a rental property owner back in the day is based on emotion. And the emotion of homeowners is typically what drives the pricing. And just like any other, you know, what determines pricing, supply and demand, right? So the more supply you have, um, theory that the, the lower the prices because that kind of curves your demand. But you, the supply and demand right now, we're in a situation where we have a very slow supply because the sellers, the people with current homes, aren't willing to sell it because they don't feel like they're going to get the highest pricing. So I honestly don't know if the demand is high or low. I'm sure there's pent up demand for people, you know, kind of wanting to start families and moving in. Um, I'm, I don't, this video is really not a discussion on are the millennials going to finally buy houses and grow up outside of their parents' basement. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, there's always going to be people needing to buy houses to live in because they want that. And they supposedly think that's the American dream. So I know if you guys think buying a house is, is a good idea, I don't necessarily agree with that. We will have another video on that here soon. But right now we're in a situation again where supply is low, therefore the prices of residential real estate are extremely high at the moment. And that has pushed up residential prices. But as far as the more sane world out there, which is the commercial real estate world, um, prices haven't really creeped up that much. Um, the grand scheme of things but i i am worried what's going to happen these next few quarters uh the late 2021 uh 2022 is going to happen then as you know we start to see the government statistics come out on unemployment and gdp growth um normally gdp growth is in the two to four percent range or at least they try and make it that way you know i think we're going to start to see some two to six percent and you know it's obviously coming from like the backlash of shutting down a nation for half a year. But, you know, this is going to come to fulfillment in 2022 where you're going to get that backlash and that's going to really push pricing upwards in all sectors, residential and commercial. In 2021, I feel like multifamily is going to creep up very slowly. I follow a few economic um, economists out there that are unbiased in their direction. I try not to watch any other YouTube videos out there because number one, you know, they're usually trying to sell attention and that's what we try and get to do on this channel. We try and give you stuff that's really happening out there on the street from real investors, as opposed to people just trying to sell you some affiliate subscription or trying to sell you some product, get some affiliate commission on that. We're just trying to sell you on headlines, right? Like, you know, 2020, the housing crisis is amongst us or, you know, the, the, the end of housing as we know it, you know, like these types of headlines are obviously what we do here, trying to, you know, make titles that you could get you guys to click here. But it's, I don't know if it's really indicative of what's really happening out there. And that's the kind of the glimpse that I kind of like to bring to you guys. Unfortunately, it's a little slow and that's just how things work. Uh, one thing I am watching are, um, you know, these moratoriums on evictions. Now I just had um, a, a guy who owns, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of distressed home mortgages. And he's calling for a big, um, dip in home prices because what's happening right now is like a lot of people in the beginning of the pandemic, they put their mortgage on a forbearance. So forbearance, if you haven't, you know, don't know the term, basically the, the government had all these programs to allow people who borrowed money to stop paying their mortgage 
which sounds cool. But the problem is like, you know, you say you, you owe a thousand dollars a month, this thing keeps racking up, racking up, racking up. So 12 months later, your thousand dollar a month um, payment, go, you owe $12,000. And, you know, for a lot of people, they may or may not have that money um, available. And likely they don't, right? If they lost their job in last year and they kind of were in forbearance this whole time. So you can imagine a lot of people are in this situation. They're like, oh shoot, now we have to actually pay our mortgage again. Compound that with the fact that they may have to catch up on all these back payments. Now, this is gonna create a situation of foreclosures once again. And I think what this will do is it'll, it will cool down the current housing market prices as you see start to see inventory come online. And inventory means that there's more houses to buy. And that's essentially means that there's less supply out there. And now we're going to see the test. Is the current demand out there? Will it meet the supply? Now, a lot of people out there, uh, a lot of influencers saying that this is the end of the world as we know it. I think it'll be in some impact, but I don't think that, you know, a bunch of some foreclosures is going to tank the market, as people will say. It's kind of funny. Like, I keep a list of all these people who make these bold predictions, and I come back to it. And this is, you know, years ago. And then sometimes they take these videos off the YouTube channel or the blog article off their blog for obvious reasons. But I think this is the important thing to invest in cash flow, things that make sense. It's the idiots who bought for appreciation back in 2008 that get hurt when the prices of properties kept going um, up and then crashed all of a sudden. Right? When you're investing for cash flow, which is I think the prudent way to invest, you don't really care what the price of the property does going up and down. Right? All you care about is the cash flow but the cool thing is you can sell at the right time. And now's the time to sell because it's a seller's market right now, especially if you can parlay that into two or three properties or deals. In the residential world, we talk a lot about home prices, right? Um, but in the commercial world, we talk a lot about rents increases, or at least this is what I follow. It's a very trackable statistic and what are the rent growths or rent decreases. But, you know, typically rents never decrease. That's the one kind of absolute in the world today as we know it. Rents always typically go up. Um, so if you're a renter, that kind of sucks for you, but that's just how it works. So you want to be a landlord to get on the right side of this equation. But normally, rents, as we underwrite them, um, when we look at deals, we want to assume that rents are going up anywhere from 2 to 3%. And the reason why we do that is because we want to account for the pace of inflation, which the government says it technically goes up every two or three percent. Although if you look at a lot of good articles out there and alternative news sources, you guys would probably believe that inflation is a heck of a lot more than that, especially in the past six months to a year with all this government pumping and quantitative easing of money into the economy. And that's ultimately what I believe is popping up the stock market today. What you're seeing across the nation is a lot of markets where the housing stock is the rents are growing um, anywhere from three to six percent or even more. Some of these markets, it's like almost double digits. And this is kind of unheard of, but maybe it, you know, it's, it is that pent of demand, that slack we were talking of before earlier of the pandemic. During the pandemic, um, I wasn't really raising my rents very much. I have over 5,000 units. We kind of kept it the same to kind of keep people in. Right? People literally were not going out and doing other places to live. So everybody was kind of stuck, right? It was this game of musical chairs where they never started to play the music again. Everybody kind of stayed put. And therefore, we weren't able to aggressively increase rents. We kind of kept things the same. But now what we're seeing is that slap come through and we're raising the rents very aggressively and on a 
national scale, you're seeing where places where rents grew two to three percent, you're seeing about six percent or double that. Now, I don't know how long this is going to be the case, um, but I'm I would probably speculate that it would probably be another year till this starts to cool off to what it was pre-pandemic or traditionally within the one to three percent range. Again, keeping up with the normal pace of inflation. So overall, I think you know, like people get. They're, they're like, well, is this the time to invest, right? Should I take my hard-earned money and put it into an asset and what kind of asset? And at the end of the day, I think workforce housing or investing in things that most people need, especially the lower middle class, because the lower middle class out there is a population that is growing in, in our country. In the United States, uh, we have inbound immigration, we have growing population growth, I mean, our country is growing, unlike some places in Asia, especially like Japan. So it makes sense to invest in these types of housing where it, it benefits the, the common man out there. Um, this is why we don't invest in the luxury high end, because in tough times, the high end get beat down and they come and rent an apartment from us anywhere from $700 to $1,400 a month rent. Uh, so, you know, some of the big dynamics that a lot of people talk about are like, well, there's a bunch of millennials out there, right? The millennials are kind of old at this point. And yeah, maybe they move back home with their parents or maybe they're shacking up with friends and, you know, sharing um, accommodations. A lot of these people are getting married, right? I mean, I mean, with the pandemic, everybody was kind of frozen. Right? And now weddings are starting to happen. People are starting to move, have kids. And at some point, it makes sense for people to expand their means. And you compound this with the fact that the baby boomers are also downsizing, also maybe not need a bigger place as they once did. Now they're competing for more of this middle ground, lower middle ground housing, which is more called the affordable housing. So I think this is why you're seeing an extra demand, extra push on the middle to low end stuff than the high-end stuff. You know, overall, I, I don't think that everybody should be able to buy a house to live in. I mean, I think renters are, you know, are going to always be a part of this country's population base. BlackRock, a big hedge fund out there, they just bought a whole bunch of uh, residential houses as rentals. And some people are upset because they're like, you know, how are people going to buy houses if these institutions keep buying it? Well, I mean, here at Rich Uncle, I'm kind of like, I don't care, right? I've always been politically agnostic. But and but I'm telling people, like, get away from the politics aside. Look what's happening here, right? There, these big institutions of smart money are getting into something that you should be getting to buying regular houses for other people to rent from because it is a growing demand for. More people are, are don't have as good education more people don't have a good enough pay things are costing more they don't have that economic ability to put down a down payment or carry a mortgage nor do they want to right i mean the flexibility of renting a house and you know picking up moving to where you want if you want to be in the best school district then cool just rent a place in there right it seems super obvious but so many people have that traditional mindset that need to go and struggle to buy that house in that nice area to get their kid into the school district um, and that's what I, I've always kind of focused on, these alternative ideas that, you know, if you really think hard about it, these are the right things to do. And, you know, it's these are like the, the ideas that the wealthy do, right? It's very simple, except I think, unfortunately, and, and I was at this point at one time in my life, you know, you're surrounded by people who have this traditional financial outlook and different financial ideas that got passed down from their parents 
and coworkers and friends, and a lot of it is wrong. You know, we talked a lot about the economy in general and how things are kind of moving in the right direction slowly. But what the heck do you do, right? You guys are at home, kind of seeing, you know, all this bad media advice out there. Talk about this, talk about that. But what are the people in the know doing? Well, I can only speak for myself, right? And some of my peers who buy apartments and are heavy into residential and commercial real estate. So what we're doing primarily are buying assets that cash flow day one. Um, you know, we do recognize there there is a big uncertainty out there, but there will always be uncertainty out there. And t- when things are uncertain, that's where everybody jumps into the game and things just become too expensive at that point and you're too late. Right? I see like the next few years as kind of, you know, what was happening in 2012 to 2016. Right. That was kind of a golden age. A lot of money was to be made out there. And even at that time, people were like, no, it's, it's the, we're too high off the lows of 2008. You know, things have got to come down and it never did. Right. Things only kind of cooled off. Uh, the 2020 pandemic kind of brought things down a little bit. But, you know, that to me was more of a health scare. It was a pandemic as opposed to any kind of economic bump in the road or anything systematically problem problematic with the economy so that you know i think if you invest in the right places to we call these emerging markets where the population growth is is going up and that's either stimulated by economic growth or some other you know huge macroeconomic movements generally in this country you know people are in the sunbelt states are kind of you know they're moving down there for warmer weathers better cost of living they're moving away from the cities um you know, the high priced cities like your San Francisco. You know, a lot of people are moving to like Oakland to get to the cheaper place, but a lot of people just in general are moving to these like less priced areas. If I were to pick my top five states, uh, that would probably be Arizona, getting a lot of people from California moving over there. Uh, a lot of Californians are moving to Texas. You know, the, you guys know the YouTube world is filled with these videos of people moving over there. Um, better tax climate, better economic growth. I mean, I own a lot of front properties out there. Um, places like Alabama, Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida. I don't think you can go wrong with either of these aforementioned locations. I would take those five over the other 45 states of the country any day of the week. Like overall, I think the mistake is to not do anything. There's rampant inflation. Those people who keep their money in their bank account, not doing anything, or like in bonds, you will be a loser because slowly and surely, but insidiously, the government is stealing your money away in your sleep, or at least devaluing it over time. But you want to be putting it into assets and ideally assets that cash flow and give the tax advantages like rental cash flow real estate. Personally, I probably deploy 90% of my money into assets. I'm not a big fan of keeping too much cash. Now, maybe if I was uh, like a, a multi, multi, multi eight figure plus millionaire, I'd probably have a lot of cash and I would be able to get on my high horse on YouTube and say, oh, I'm not investing right now because I would be cool, right? I could probably make 1% in my savings account and live off that and eat caviar and champagne all day long, but I'm not. And that's why I'm somebody you guys should kind of look up to and model because I'm kind of in your guys' shoes. I'm still trying to grow my, my net worth, but I'm trying to do it as safely as possible as I can. A lot of people in our group, you know, we're not trust fund kids, we weren't born with money. Therefore, we have to invest conservatively and the way I think of being conservative is investing for cash flow along the way. 
So get out there, you know, get out of your comfort zone. You guys have to buy stuff and you guys got to make moves, but, you know, be conservative, use your head and best for cash flow. Don't be like those dummies in 2008 in that movie, The Big Short, that just bought stuff because you had a hunch that the price was going to go up. This is why you guys watch the channel to get some of the insights and at least we can kind of pattern disrupt what you guys are thinking about. And, you know, we'll, if you guys have any other questions, put into the chat below. I'd like to answer it for you guys and uh, see if we can and do anything to help. Lane is not a lawyer CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.